Today's gospel reading is Matthew 21. Another parable for us. This one, I would imagine, not quite everyone is familiar with. A lot of the parables we are, and this one, I would imagine, might come as something new, at least one you haven't heard too often before. And as with the others, I'm going to ask that you give yourself over to the world of this parable. Allow yourself to become part of its world to see what it has to say for our world today. Hear now the parable of the two sons. Jesus says, what do you think? Man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? The priests and the elders, they said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. Word of God for the people of God. And thanks be to God. There are two kinds of people in this world. There are those who say there are two kinds of people in this world, and there's everybody else. There are two sons in this parable. Uh, And often that's a shortcut for us to say, well, that must mean that one is right and the other is wrong. That one is good, the other one's bad. We're supposed to be like one of them, and we're not supposed to act like the other one. And that would make this parable very easy, because it would make it another version of the hypocrite parable, and we could just talk about that. You know, quit saying you're going to do one thing and then do something else. And it's nice and neat and tidy, and that's an easy thing to do. Um, we would say that, okay, well, the good people are the ones who you think are bad, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, and all that sort of thing. They end up doing the right thing. Meanwhile, the people who seem like they've got everything together and are all polished, they obviously are the bad people. It's nice, it's neat. The problem is, that's not this parable. That's some other stories. There are those in the Bible, to be sure. But that's not this parable. That's not what it's about. There are two sons here, And neither one of them is good. (laughs) Neither one of them is exactly what they should be. Uh, So let me bring you a small parable, okay? Uh, Let me ask you, which is worse? Driving down Oak Ridge Turnpike and someone is in front of you with their blinker on for two and a half miles and they never do a thing. They never change lanes or turn and you're going, what is going on here? Did you fall asleep? Or the person who cuts in front of you and then makes a sharp left turn without ever using their blinker. Which is worse? Which is worse? The answer is both of them are not the ideal. (laughs) Whichever one, uh, both of them are not the ideal. The ideal is someone who indicates their action by using that indicator light, what they are going to do with their two-ton machine that they're piling it at 55 miles an hour. That's the ideal. Let me know what's going on in your mind so I can react accordingly. Neither one of those people is ideal. These sons are the blinker boys. Neither one of them is the ideal. They're not doing what they should be doing. Both of them can't live up to the words of their mouth. uh, And they they end up doing the very thing they said they wouldn't do or vice versa. So we've got the first one who says, 
uh, the dad comes to him and says, go work in the vineyard. And he says, I will not. In other words, he said no. And then he changes his mind for some reason. We don't know why he ends up going to work in the vineyard. The other one says, of course, sir, I'm going right now. And he never, he never ends up getting there. He just never shows up. Neither is all good. Both of them messed up. And I'd like to consider that for a minute. So let's handle one at a time. That first one, um, he ends up doing the will of his father. Everyone has to admit that. But not before he gets in his little rude jab uh, before he does. Dad says, go work in the vineyard. He says, I will not. He says, no. Right to his face. Uh, which is just terrible. I, I read through this thing and I said, if I had done that to my dad, if he had told me to do something and I said no to his face, you know what would happen? He would look at me right in my eyes until I finally broke down and was like, I'm sorry, that was rude. And then he would lecture me for the next three hours about my attitude, right? And guaranteed, you can put money on it. I don't care how much, it's a safe bet. Sometime in that three hours, he would say, do you know what my dad would have done to me if I would have said no to his face? I wouldn't be able to sit down for three days. That's what would have happened. If you asked my grandfather, he would have said, if I said no to my dad, I, he would have told me to go dig my own grave. That's what would have happened. You go up the generations, it gets worse and worse. You know, what my dad would have done. So for real, in Jesus' day, this is true. Uh, this would have been grounds for execution, public execution, to say no to your dad, to his face, in public. He could have been excommunicated from the family, or executed, even worse. That's not an exaggeration. This is a honor and shame culture. And if you're going to shame the family in that way, you're going to have to preserve the honor of the whole family line by doing something rather extreme. So he's taking his life into his own hands, saying no. It's kind of crazy. Uh, He says, I'm not going. Why? What better thing does he have to do? We don't know. The text doesn't tell us, right? So we're left to imagine, did he have other plans that he was going to do that day? Was he going to to hang out with his friends? Or or maybe he had another job. Maybe he was going to make more money doing that job than this job, end up bringing it home to the family, that sort of thing. We don't know. Does he have good intentions? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he's just going through a rebellious thing. As a parent, I'm reading this thing and I'm going, yeah, that seems pretty likely. That he's just, I'm not going to do that, Dad. No, because he's going through that phase of life because that happens. There was a time in my life where I was extremely resistant to everything that my dad did. So my dad, like a weirdo, would wear loafers without any socks on, right? And I couldn't stand that. I thought it was disgusting. So to show him, I I bought knee-high socks, and I would wear them all the way up anytime I was wearing shoes or anything like that. And, And I remember giving my dad a hard time when I was a teenager about the length of his shorts because they were way too short for a grown man to be wearing. And I I thought that was highly inappropriate. Dad, you need some longer shorts. So I would wear shorts, shorts that were below my knees. And and he hated that. He thought it was pointless. What's the point of wearing shorts if they're down below your knees? They're just, they're just short pants. And uh, that was all I needed. I was like, okay, I'm buying five pairs of these because my dad doesn't like them. Game on. This is, this is where we're going. I've grown mostly out of that, but I can tell you when that shift happened. So for Christmas, this was like probably five years ago or something like that. He bought Gigi and I a set of cups, and they're those insulated cups. You know what I'm talking about? The brand is called Turbis. So he buys us like six of these things. 
And uh, we said thank you, washed them, put them in the cabinet, and then my dad went back to Florida, and I mercilessly made fun of these cups. I called them old man cups because I, I grew up in his house with them. He had them all the time. And so I just associated that with him, and I was like, we're not using these old man cups. Until one day, I don't know when it happened, but we were out of cups, and that was all that was left in the cupboard. So we had to use the old man cups. So I bring them out, and we used them, and the ice didn't melt. And the cup didn't sweat and and create that ring on the table that you had to try to buff out later. And it, it wasn't too long that I had to admit my old man cups were now my cups. And it was a painful transition in my life to realize that my dad was right about that. And uh, we use them all the time. Now I get grumpy if, if they're all dirty, if all the old man cups are dirty. My dad was here this past week for Lydia's birthday. True fact, his shorts were longer than mine. <laughs> and I wore loafers without socks. <laughs> no joke. I don't know when that happened. But I'm, I'm going through like this processing thing now. It's weird. <laughs> I'd imagine we've all had times when we looked at our parents and we just said no. And then we had to come back around later and admit, ah, I've had a change of heart. I've seen things a different way and maybe they were right to begin with. Do you know who else had a story like that? Peter in the Bible. So Jesus gets arrested and, and, and they're going to execute him that night. And someone recognizes Peter and they say, hey, weren't you with him? And what does he do? No, wasn't me. He has to keep denying it over and over and over again. He gets so upset about it that he uses some naughty language and people are like, my goodness, how rude. But he still says no, no, no. And three days later, he changed his mind. He changed his heart. He repented of what he had done. And he became the guy who would never, ever deny Jesus again. Even when it led to his own death later on, he would never deny Jesus again. He worked in the vineyard all the day long until he went home to his rest. We knew that this first son has a happy ending because that's in the story. Jesus says as much. He's the one who did the will of the Father. But what about the other one? The other boy, who's so polite at the start, he says, I go, sir, which is translated as, I am going, and the word is literally, Lord. I'm going, Lord. And I imagine every single bystander there was going, oh, that is such a good son. What a good boy. What a well-mannered young man. Must have been raised right. What a good father he must have. And then what? He never shows up. And why? I don't know. It doesn't say. It very well could be that he never intended to go to the vineyard that day and that he was just gaming his dad and just putting on a good show for public, but everyone knows, dad certainly knows, he's not going to go through with it. I've seen college kids make this maneuver whenever their parents come into town and they all go out to eat together, and then the check comes and all of a sudden the college kid goes blind for a second and like nothing happens, so the parent finally picks it up, and that's when they do what I call the check pump fake, and they, and they act like they were going to get, oh, let me... Oh, oh, sorry. I, I meant to get that. I, no, you weren't. You, you didn't mean to get that at all. We, like, you're not fooling anybody. You weren't going to buy the meal at Olive Garden. We all know that, right? So, but they like to make a show of it and make it look good. So it's possible. It's possible that this kid has that in him and that he's just faking it for, public, for 
publicity. I think it's more believable that something else happened, that he really did intend to go, and then, I don't know, life happened or something like that. So we just started September now, which means that we're right at the period where things are starting to turn in a student's life. So come August, every student, most of them that I know, they walk in with their Mead five-subject notebook, and they filled out those little tabs that they put into the little colors, and every subject, history, math, English, or like, I guess they call it language arts now, and they've got a tab for everything, and they put all the assignments in their calendar, and they promise themselves, I'm going to be way better at this this year, I'm going to, be, I'm going to do all my homework assignments, I'm going to read my book and everything, and it's about this time where they're probably going to stop bringing that notebook to school. <laughs> it's just, they have all the intentions, I'm really going to do better this year, and they said, what's the point? There's just doodles of unicorns in it, so like, why even bother at this point? We mean well, and we just never get around to it. I find that more believable. I think that's what's going on with the second son. Because I meant to start the laundry this morning, and it just didn't happen, right? We all have those things we meant to, and then it just didn't happen. We meant to write that novel, or we meant to do that thing that we were supposed to do. Uh, We meant to go to bed early last night. We know what we are. We're going to bed early tonight. We are definitely going to bed early tonight. And then somehow, I don't know how, but we watched five episodes of Frasier. How did that happen? Um, What happens to him? Where does he go? Let's imagine what, what happens with the son. We don't know his ending, but I imagine it goes something like this. Dad comes home from the vineyard and says, your rude, good for nothing brother showed up at the vineyard and he worked all day. Where in the world were you? And I imagine him saying, I really meant to, Dad, and I'm so sorry. I know I messed up. And so I bet you, first thing, first light the next morning, he is shot out of bed and he is at that vineyard all day long because he feels awful about it. I bet that's what happened. Jesus ends the parable by telling the priests and the elders there in the temple, you know what? The tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you, which is probably a pretty hard hard thing to hear. But notice that he said ahead and not instead. He was saying they're going in there first, but they're not taking your place. Like you still get to come, but they're going in first. They've got it first, which is good news. If you're a second son, if you identify with that. It's good news for Paul, who used to be Saul. Saul was the name of the first king of Israel. That's how, that's how devoted he and his family were, is he had a good Jewish name from the family. And, and he was, he was uh, pharisaical about living up to the law, living up to every letter of the law. And he was going to live by every jot and tittle of it. And he was going to enforce it with others. As a matter of fact, he was so devout in his faith That when these Christian upstarts and rabble-rousers came around to lead people away from the good faith, he put his foot down and said, that is not what we were raised with. That is against the code, and we're not doing it that way. And you need to get out of here if you're going to keep spouting that stuff off. He meant to do the right thing. He thought he was. And then his heavenly father got a hold of him and told him, look, they're going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. You're missing it here. And he had to admit, I messed up. 
And he came around in a big way, obviously. Peter, the fisherman, the gruff guy with a foul language, went into the kingdom of God before Paul did, who was supposed to be the man of God. But hear this. They both made it. One may have gotten there first, but they both made it to the kingdom that day. They both made it to the vineyard. So there are two sons in this parable. One comes off like a jerk at first, and maybe he is one, we don't know. But he lives up to what his dad tells him to do, and he ends up in the kingdom of God. And the second son seems so polished and well-intentioned, but he has no follow-through. But eventually he does find his way into the kingdom of God. They were both called to the vineyard, and they both find their way eventually. So I'm going to be honest with you. I thought I knew how this parable was going to play out this week in the world and what was going on in in Houston and in Texas. Because I've been hearing these news stories coming out about people going out and rescuing people in their own boats, using their own gas. And I heard a story about one who was a gruff fisherman captain who used to captain a boat and a soldier who was there with him. And they would go out and they would rescue people. Even while the rain was still coming down, they were going out in the boat and one of them was piloting through these flooded streets, trying to miss cars and branches and everything that was under the water that they couldn't see. And the other one treating people when they found them in the boat. And I imagined, you know, what what kind of sacrifice that took. And they weren't professionals. They weren't faithful people. But they sure were living up to the kingdom of God. I heard about that, that businessman. Did you hear about him? Mattress Mac, I think is his name, who owns some chain of mattress stores there. And he opens up his doors. His own home flooded. And he came in, and people were wanting a place to stay. And he just opened all of his stores all over Houston and let, let people come and stay there. Unlikely people. But they wind up programming in the kingdom of God. And then I heard stories, of course, about Joel Osteen and his church. And while it was first coming out, it seemed like they weren't going to open their church up. And I thought I knew how this was going to go. I thought, man, isn't it just like the polished and the, and the snazzy and the, and the broad smiles and, and all these polite manners. And they end up letting you down in the end. And I really thought that that was the sermon that it was going to be today. But the truth is, that's a pretty sorry sermon. And that's not what this parable is. And that's not true to life, either. The truth is, that Osteen's church did open her doors. And maybe, you know what, maybe they should have done it sooner. But that's not for me to judge, and maybe not anyone else who wasn't in Houston that day. Could they have opened sooner? Probably. I think other people were coming to the vineyard before they did that day. But they did take people in. And I'm grateful that they are because they're providing the kingdom of God shelter that people need in Houston. And I'm grateful for their ministry. And I'm still moved by these people who buy their own gas and put it in their own boats to go out and rescue people because they're piloting their boats around the kingdom of God and saving people who need it. I hope you'll join me in prayers for their safety. The truth of this parable is the truth of life. Neither son is perfect. Neither one gets it all right. They both mess up. Peter and Paul, neither one of them is perfect. Sometimes we all let our mouth get out ahead of us. Sometimes we can fly off the handle and say things that we don't mean. 
And sometimes we show up late for work and sometimes we miss work altogether. But there are more than just two people in our lives. There are more than just two sons, a whole family worth of stories. But no matter our story, we can make it to the vineyard. It's not too late. We can still find our way to come and work in the kingdom of God and make it a reality. And the reminder is the table set before us. Like Christ has set. The table is ready. Christ is waiting with forgiveness in his hands and with grace on his table. And it's not too late. It's never too late to come home.